Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that's like riding a moped. Cheap, fun, easy, and you'll never admit how much you look forward to it. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe-smoking broadcast. I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from a smoke-filled recording studio built here at my home in Concord, North Carolina, and it is the first week of January of 2015. And how do I officially know the holidays are over? Well was in a couple of stores over the weekend and the valentine's merchandise is out so christmas is gone bring out the hearts and candies in tonight's show hey i spent some time over the holidays trying to work on the uh work on taste testing the different uh the different orientals with a virginia base and i'll tell you about my grand failure so you'll hear about that in pipe parts uh, my guest tonight is Ricardo Santia, maker of the Ultimate Corn Cob Pipe. So we'll talk to him. And music, mailbag, and rant, all the usual coming up in tonight's show. And it is January, and that means that uh, Harry Connick, American Idol, is coming back on starting this week. Yeah, I can't wait to see Harry. And I'll see him in person in uh, February, February 17th, so... Looking forward to that. That show will be pre-recorded because I'll be having fun listening to the smooth sounds of Harry Connick Jr. while you guys listen to the not-so-smooth sounds of me and whoever the guest is that week. Um, Hope everybody had a good, safe, fun holiday season. Uh, Share with me what you got. How are your Santas for you? Share with us all that stuff. And don't forget, a couple of pipe shows coming up real quick. February 28th, uh, St. Charles, Missouri, the St. Louis Pipe Show. And then May 7th, Saturday, the first Saturday in May there, the uh, New York Pipe Show in Newark, New Jersey. Would love to have you all come out. I will be at those shows. Stop by and say hi to me. All right, let's get the show going. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company, and here we go. This is Internet Radio. I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meerschaum pipe smoker. All of my pipes come from MeershamStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including calabash, claws, dragons, horror, even a sexy series. MeershamStore.com. The most trusted Meersham store for 50 years. Meet Josh. Everyone at SmokingPipes.com holds customers as a high priority, but nobody interacts with them more personally than Josh. He's our professor of pipes, if you will. As a previous professor of history, educating the customer comes easily to him. He loves explaining the history of a particular pipe to a customer or coaching his customer service team. I love to help customers find that perfect piece for their collection. It's my job to make sure there's a smile on the other end of the line, and I'm more than happy to be the one to put it there. And although Josh's job can sometimes be quite demanding, he doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why? Because I don't just sell pipes. 
I smoke them. Call us at 1-888-366-0345. That's 1-888-366-0345. Or check us out online at smokingpipes.com. We are quality. We are experts. We are smokingpipes.com. Welcome back. All right, so when I say a grand uh, a grand failure, there's a couple of reasons why. One, I didn't have in my opinion really enough of the uh I didn't have enough of the the actual orientals to really blend with. Uh by the time I got to most of them I had about, you know, about 3 quarters of an ounce to an ounce of them to really play around with. And two, I really don't have a a highly defined palate. I tend to taste things in sweet or bitter or dry or moist, and that's about it. Uh, Probably one of the reasons why I like Perique is because it's got a real powerful punch to it. All right, so what I did was I I tried each of the blends with rubbed sprinkled into some highly rubbed out Brigham Klondike gold that I had that had been aged for a while, and it's a good light to medium-bodied Virginia with with absolutely no flavoring on it. So I rubbed out a whole bunch of that, and then I took some 5100 from McClellan that I bought and worked with those. And what I did really was I tried just you know, taking what would have been like three, uh, you know, like a three and a half gram sampling and then sprinkling a little bit of each in there and then letting them sit for a day or two to try to, to try to get some marrying. And then I had to go back and try it again to try to beef it up. Now, here's what happens when I've been involved in blending tobaccos in the past. Uh, we make the tobaccos at least, at least one kilo the blend is at least one kilo at a time, so 2.2 pounds. And you blend it in three or four different variations. So a good example with the uh, with the Orientals and a Virginia would be I'd have one kilo that was 5%. I might have one kilo that was 7.5% and another kilo that was 10% of that condiment just to get the taste. So I tried to replicate that, but on a very minute scale. And yes, I do have a minute scale. I have a uh, postage, uh, a gram scale that is used for uh, Weight Watchers and uh, other stuff. But um, So I tried to replicate those. And by only allowing them to marry for maybe a couple of days, what I found out was I was getting, you know, I was getting a little bit of the hints of the, of the essence, but I was taking, and this is probably the mistake, was I was taking tobaccos that were already finished and meant to be either smoked that way or blended with a bigger percentage and allowed to sit for a month or two. I was taking those and trying to figure out which ones I liked with which. All right, so after goofing around with that and trying to work my way through it, then I went back and I tried to smoke some of the straight stuff again and looked at my notes to see what I was trying to detect. Uh, the one thing that I will say out of this is essentially the two components that I liked individually, I liked them again when I got them into the blends. And I think it's just a common, simple fact of, hey, if I liked it by itself and I put it with two other things that I liked, 
I'm going to like them together, but then it's finding the balance to it. Is it a 5% ratio? Is it a 7%? Is it a 10%, 15%? What is the optimum ratio? And that's where it takes a bunch of tobacco to do it or a bunch of trial and error. And I just kind of ran out of time and I ran out of the condiments to try that. Uh, now, to further understand stuff, I got on the phone with Mary McNeil and McClellan did the Grand Oriental series. And I asked her a couple of questions about it. And the answer that didn't, or the question that didn't surprise me, but explained part of my issue is each one of their Grand Orientals uses a different one of the varietals but the base blends are blended to complement and work with that one. It's not the same identical base blend all the way through. So you can't just say, okay, one Virginia or one grade of Virginia or one style of Virginia is going to be perfect for this and go on with that. You just can't, you can't do that. Um, so after talking to her and getting a grip on it and understanding why I was having problems making those matches and working it out, I realized, you know what I can do is, yeah, if I can get my hands on a big bunch of it again, I can start working over some of these blends. But then I thought to myself, wait a second, you know, I do like my standard Virginia Perique. What if I did a little bit of the two that I really liked to try to figure out where it is? So now what I've done is I've got my sources out there looking for some Yanija and Drama to try to work into my regular everyday blend and see if it's just a way to, uh, hey, instead of getting the same, the same blend for five or six bowls a day, maybe what I can do is I can add this in as one bowl or two bowls. So I'll have my Virginia Perique and then I'll have my Virginia Perique with a little special extra added to it as just a taste variation on the same tobacco. And that's what I encourage you all to do is if you're dedicated to one style of tobacco or one, one particular blend and you want to slightly vary it, See if you can find some uh, just some basic Turkish ribbon or some, or maybe a little bit of Latakia in it. Don't put the Latakia in my blend whatsoever. Uh, try just two or three percent of just a black Cavendish. If it doesn't have any black Cavendish in it, see what it does. All right, there's uh, there's the final report on those Orientals. It was fun. I still have a few uh, a few little bits of it left over to play with and keep taste testing on on my own but it was also interesting to find out that hey i may know everything that i know and i'm the leading expert on my opinion but i'm not one of those guys that can taste a whole bunch of fancy things in there all right in just a minute ricardo santia will be on the phone with me there's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine missouri meerschaum corncob pipe an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. The year was 1849. Zachary Taylor was sworn in as the 12th president of the United States. 
the U.S. flag remained fixed at 30 stars. Edgar Allan Poe was found dead in Baltimore. Congressman Abraham Lincoln patented a buoying device, the only patent ever filed by a future president. William Bond was the first person to photograph the moon through a telescope. And gold was discovered in far-off California. And in that same year, also in California, Henry Sutliff founded his small tobacco company in San Francisco, founded on the principles of giving the public superior tobacco products for those with very discriminating tastes. Now, 165 years later, that tradition continues. Sutliff Tobacco Company has been setting the standard for pipe tobacco ever since. Take a quiz on our website to have the perfect blend suggestion for your tastes. Or just browse around to explore all of the wide variety of fine products America's oldest pipe tobacco company has to offer. Lots of things have changed since 1849, but Sutliff Tobacco Company's commitment to making the finest pipe tobacco on earth has not. Visit Sutliff-Tobacco.com for information on where you can find all of your favorite blends, from the sweetest aromatics to the richest English mixtures. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining me uh, just across our northern border on the telephone is a pipe maker, musician, and if I understand it right, the uh, former former boxer. So please welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show, Ricardo Santilla. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me. Uh, did I pronounce your name correctly? Perfect. 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 So there is no, there's no Canadian A in there. No. Santia, Santia, that's good. Sounds great. <laughs> All right, so let's get to know you. Where'd you grow up, and uh, what came first, the music, the boxing, or the pipe smoking? Oh, good question. Well, I live in Windsor, Ontario, Canada, and uh, what came first? I'm going to have to say the, um, the boxing came first. I've been boxing since the age 16 and still compete uh, now that I'm 50, I have a nemesis, so we compete uh, two or three times a year. We actually fight for the Jericho belt in the States, Detroit, <laughs> Michigan. <It's> pretty good. <laughs> Wait, so, you've, so you, you now fight the same guy a couple times a year? Same guy, yeah. Same, we actually coach together. We're boxing coaches. And um, we do spar with the, you know, the other younger kids and... Uh, we still kick butt. We can still take some of the younger guys. I'm, I'm sparring with guys 20, 15 years of age, 30, and we're doing pretty good against them, you know, with experience. So we're happy with that. Um, now that we're older, I mean, I even find the memory's not all that great, maybe with the few punches that I do receive, but we're able to do, do well. So we're coaching, we're competing. Um, then came the... Um, uh, the Pipe smoking came, I think, at the age of 19. So that was about 1983. I actually used to work at Ford Motor Company, and uh, I remember this foreman smoking a pipe. I mean, I couldn't see him. I could smell the tobacco. The name of the tobacco was Haymarket. I never forgot that. And I followed that smell right to him, and I said, man, that stuff smells so good. Aromatic, of course, at the time. And he says, this is Haymarket. Very good tobacco. <laughs> I said, where can I get this stuff? Actually, I 
where can I get a pipe? Where can I get tobacco? So you have to go to Detroit. Oh, I haven't been there much. Tell me where, how to get there. And he sent me off, and uh, I picked up a Missouri Mersham um, corn cob. Of course, it's the best in the world. And a bent billiard. Uh, it was a seven only, a second. And uh, of course, the Haymarket. And man, the tobacco tasted so good. That's what in '83. I saw them sell, I mean, an aromatic. I don't smoke aromatic anymore, but at that time you could taste the tobacco, and there was something about it. Oh, I'm going to put this stuff in jars and save it. Of course, they know that aromatics, they don't store well, but then 20 years later, I pull it off. It's like, what happened? <laughs> I lost the taste. So that, that was the uh, pipe smoking. So did that, did that foreman, did he show you how to light the pipe, or did somebody at the shop show you? Who, who taught you how to get started smoking? The guy at the shop, uh, it was uh, Humidor One. I remember the name of it, Humidor One, and he explained how to pack. And, of course, I tried to pack the way he had showed me how to pack and how to light it and work around the bowl, not to hit the rim. And for the first couple of times, it's tongue bites and, and it's just not working right. I, I don't know how to get this down. So I'd pull it all out again, retry it. And probably after about the fifth or sixth bowl, it, it began to work. You know, Tampi said, the weight of a nickel. Use the weight of a nickel. The weight of a nickel. Okay, well, whatever. I'm playing with the weight of a nickel. So I'll try it. And eventually it, it, it worked. And when I was playing in the band and smoking my pipe, the guys, the band, they weren't too keen on the smoke in the room. And, you know, it's like, hey, going to mess up our guitars. You know, you're going to need to smoke. You're going to mess up. And I said, all right, all right, I'll stop smoking. So I, I quit after six months out the band and uh, started back up again in uh, uh, 99 I believe it was 1999 had more time I'm a little interested in a band that didn't want smoking around the instruments yeah <laughs> <laughs> well you know back then there was smoke in the bars everyone could smoke yeah so we'd go home and, and smell the smoke on our clothes on our instruments and some of the guys had you know thousand uh, dollar guitars you know what, man? Would you not? Would you mind not smoking? And I'm like, all right, that's fine. I, you know, I, I said, you know, gotta respect their their wishes. So I, I did that. I, I quit smoke on on my own on the side or outside or whatever it was or in the home at then. My parents actually, my mom loved the smell of tobacco. She, you know, an Italian, uh, uh, light the pipe. You know, light the pipe. It's, I love it, the smoke. <laughs> You can smoke it. I love the smoke. I like the pipe. All right, all right, all right. So, she's, to this day, she still loves the smell of it. Boy, that's a little different than my upbringing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, back then also, you know, being the Italian, uh, my parents used to, I don't want to say force, but, you know, come on, drink some wine. Drink, you know, it's good for you with the meal. I'm like, I can't drink this stuff, you know, I'm 15 and burning my guts and just try it just try it you know and i don't i've never been drunk in my life maybe because of that it's i'll have a little <laughs> bit of wine or a little bit of beer or a little bit of this or that or a caesar but it, it just don't need to get drunk and i don't need to drink enough you know enough to feel a buzz i'm not so, sure you're completely italian <laughs> yeah that's what everybody says too Are you sure you're italian 
No, I am, man. And to be honest with you, Brian, if I do drink with an empty stomach, my gut burns. I'll double over. I don't know what it is. And my dad's a wine drinker, right? He makes it every year. Like, I don't think you're my son. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I come from parents that don't drink and don't smoke, so I'm making up for you. There you go. Good man. Yeah, somebody's got to do it. All right, so what kind of a band was it, besides a non-smoking band? Uh, well, it was uh, top, <laughs> top 40 rock. We had, back then, we had a female singer. And, uh, you know, you know, play all sorts of stuff that was big back then in the, well, whatever it was, in 83, 84. And I wouldn't even be able to, like Brian Adams, stuff like that. And, and now, we, it's uh, four of us, and we're playing more of a, a rock, some of the classic rock. And we're focusing on our originals. We're, we're you know, looking at uh, six originals right now, and we're cutting this CD or burning a CD, whatever you want to call it going in the studio and should be ready hopefully February 2015. And you'll let us know when it's ready? I'll send you a CD. You'll be the first to get one. And we'll we'll play it on the show, so don't expect it today. Right. <laughs> Sounds great. Thanks, Brian. All right, so let's talk about, so you, you come back into pipe smoking and you, did you dive right back in with the same aromatics or did you start dabbling around? No, I said that went around. I, I wanted to, it, well, it was uh, a Captain Black. I thought, well, you know, I'm in, in the local store. I'll try Captain Black. And and uh, it just didn't have the the flavor that I, you know, I maybe matured some. I didn't have the flavor that I was looking for. It's good tobacco, I'm sure. But uh, then I thought, I'm going to hit the other uh, local um, tobacco shops and see what they have. They're a little bit more uh, just dealing with pipes and cigars and, and they had the, you know, Virginias and Latakias and I thought, I'm going to try a little bit of that. And I remember going in because that's 19, about 1999, I began making pipes. I picked up a kit at Pimo and uh, I thought, I'm going to work on it and make a pipe and see what happens and make more. And, and so, of course, like everyone else wants to do, sell their pipes. So I went to this uh, local shop and he was interested in actually trading uh, tobacco for a price. And I said, well, come on, man. The piece of wood is 20 bucks. <laughs> What'd you pay for that tobacco? He said, well, the tobacco is about 35 or over here. It's so expensive. And I thought, well, I'm just starting out. I, I might as well try something, get it out there. Maybe uh, he could sell for me and, and, and it could take off. So I think we traded something like four or five pipes and, and I for tobacco, and of course this tobacco thing. Man, I spent all these hours making these pipes just for this little tin. And I went back uh, four or five months later. He goes, "Hey, we sold all your pipes. We want more." And I said, "You know what? It ain't gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making pipes. I spend you know six, seven, eight, nine hours for a tin of tobacco, and then I realized I can purchase tobacco in the states. Forgot how about it back then. But you know what?" You know, I guess it was a win-win, right? He would sell my pipes and still get some tobacco. But, but no, I've sold that many. I'm going to try and sell them on my own. So I sold some through eBay, uh, uh, the Internet, and I probably made 20 or 30 pipes and then just got so busy with all my other, uh, my job as massage therapist, acupuncturist, and then 
I traveled with the Olympic team uh, last year, so I just didn't have time to continue making pipes up until 2000 and actually, sorry, going back 2011. I was in it and out, but not as often. And I thought of uh, getting into the corn cob because I wasn't able to spend that much time with the briar as I could with the, uh, the corn cobs. So let's back up a little bit because you talked about going across the border, which you, I mean, you literally live right across a river from the United States. Yeah. What is the price difference on like a 50 gram tin of tobacco for you to buy it in Windsor versus going over to Detroit? You're looking at, uh, let's see what they say, 30, between, depending on the tobacco, 50, 50 grand, 25 to $35 for a tin over here. Crazy man, it's the the taxes. I said to the fellow, I said, "Come on, man, I can get this stuff for what was it seven seven eight bucks? We have to pay taxes, so it's, it's probably better to, well, of course, better to buy from the state, Detroit, or have it uh, shipped, and it's still cheaper. Shipping's what seven eight dollars, right to the door. Well, there, <laughs> what a difference a river makes. It does. Uh, but you you have free health care. We do. Yeah, we, we are fortunate that way. Very fortunate. You guys got to pay big bucks, don't you? Yeah, thanks for reminding me. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we're going to talk about corncob pipes. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Eck, I wish I had a genie who could make it easy to order pipes and tobaccos online. You don't need a genie, sir. Visit fournoggins.com. They stock all your favorite pipes and tobaccos, and every order gets fast personal attention. Orders are packed carefully and shipped quickly by priority mail. Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com. I can still see you, you know. A bit rusty, sir. Fournoggins.com. Signore, signore, scusi per favore, but what is that intoxicating and delicious aroma coming from your pipe? Oh, uh, this is Molto Dolce, my all-time favorite blend from Sutliff Tobacco. Do you like it? I found it on SutliffMoltoDolce.com. Do you mind if I try? Oh, signore, this truly is Molto Dolce. So charming that you even speak my language as it is truly very sweet. <laughs> just like you, I am sure. I can just taste the warm caramel and sweet dripping honey gushing through my mouth. Oh, and even better, the rich vanilla flavor plays so well with the other tastes over my tongue. It is like they are all having a giant playful pillow fight on smooth and silky sheets of tobacco in my mouth. Pure heaven! Mi piace moltissimo, mi amore. Can't you see it, signore? I can see it. I can see it. And signore, best of all, no tongue bite. Grazie un milione for the pipe, signore. Hey! Sutliff Tobacco Company will not be held responsible for any loss of one's favorite pipe customers may experience when smoking our delicious Malta Dolce blend in public. This is Internet Radio. We are back visiting with Ricardo, maker of the Ultimate Corn Cob Pipes. All right, so where did the idea come up with for the Ultimate Corn Cob, besides the fact that the cobs are easier to get than shaping a block of briar? There you go. 
Oh, man, I picked up this uh, corncob pipe at an antique shop. This thing is gorgeous. Missouri Mersham, V-shape, bamboo shank, uh, had a plastic stem. I thought, this thing is beautiful. I need to make something like this. And uh, so I, I looked into the Internet, and I, and I did some research on finding bamboo, um, looking at uh, cobs. Well, beginning was I was using a local cob. I had to travel an hour and a half from here and uh, see if I can find a big enough cob that was that would last, right? And some of them did, some of them didn't. And I thought, who can I contact? And, of course, on the bottom of the cobs at Missouri Mersham. I wonder if they'd be interested in selling me cops. So I, I gave Marilyn a call at Missouri Mersham. She's, this one is amazing. She helped me right from the beginning. And she said, well, Ricardo, we could, we can sell you the cops, but how do you want them? I said, give them to me like they're coming right out of the field. <laughs> well, we, what we can do is just, we can drill the chamber, but we'll give them to you that way. That's the way they're brought in, I guess. I don't know how they set up, but I said, that sounds great. Do the chamber and then I'll do the, the shank coal, I'll, I'll do everything else. And she said, all right, how many do you want? And I ordered as many as I could. And um, and that's where the, you know, you've got the cob. You've got the best cob in the world. These things can go through hell and back. And I needed to make a finish. I didn't think anyone, not that I know of, anyone out there has a finish except Missouri Mersham on their cob. I thought, what if I can come up with something that could last, be just as strong as Missouri Merchant's cobs, and but still look look like a, a briar. And uh, and I always like Tom Altang's finish on his on his pipes. He had he's got the best color. And I remember speaking with him in 2001. He actually called me back. The guy said, "Gentlemen, incredible." Called me back and explained his finish and whatnot. And I thought this is great. And I bought briar from him. I still have this, this briar and rod. And I'm using that briar now uh, for the shank of some of the cops. But anyway, um, so I experimented for about six months. I came up with uh, first edition, I guess you'd call it, or first finish, and that fell apart. Second fell apart. Third, fourth, fifth, they kept falling apart. If you dropped them, they would fall right out of the, uh, the uh, divots of the cob. So I... Uh, most of the experiments, these things happen you know, by accident, and I accidentally forgot to do this or add that, and it actually worked out. I would drop the cob, and it, it actually didn't break. And I thought, this is cool, and I need to test it out with heat, right? So I would actually burn the outside of it to see how much it would take, and then, of course, smoke this, smoke this cob as much as I could, and it lasted. I was able to drop it. Without break, I mean, you might get a little chip here or there. It depends if I put a plateau finish on it. But at the same time, if I had made this finish, I used the Tupperware, right, to make this finish. And and I was noticing that it, it wasn't coming off the Tupperware. Like, I would bend the Tupperware, and it became flexible. I had a hard time picking it off my hands. And I thought, this stuff is incredible. So not only is it hard as a rock, but it's flexible. And uh, bam, that was it. And I sent them off to um, Scott at Ruscob.com. He's the guru when it comes to cops. And I needed to have him test it out to get his approval. And once that happened, bam, it 
took off. He loved it. They're a little pricey, a lot of work to them. I spend, you know, paint, to paint, uh, excuse me, depends uh, five to seven hours on a cob, but you get your money's worth. Now, this, and, is uh, a, and, this is a proprietary finish that you've created to make the cob almost indestructible? Just about. I mean, I mean, if you drop it hard enough on cement, I'm yeah. sure you're going to get some chips out of it, depending on how the finish is. But I've I've tested it on our ceramic, and and it's eh, it's like out of ten, I'd probably get six times that it won't chip. So that's pretty good. <laughs> or if you if you take it up to Alberta and let a herd of moose run it over, that's probably going to kill it. You'd probably cry too. Yeah. 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 But it. <laughs> yeah. So this will last, your your ultimate corn cobs will last dramatically longer than a traditional corn cob will? Well, the Missouri Mersham, I'd say last just as long as a Missouri Mersham cob. I mean, they're, it's, the same, it's the cob itself. The outside, um, it's now with, since 2011, I've got, I'm going to say 20 or 30 of them that I, I rotate, and I'm rough with them, man, I'm telling you. I throw them in the, the back seat, and I'm, carrying a bunch of junk and I let them bang up to everything, you know, pretty well everything in the car and the floor. Now, if it's a smooth finish, it's probably going to scratch. It's, it's, I, you know, if I do a lot of sanding, I'll put the stain, you're going to scratch. But some of the, the rusticated look, they're pretty hardy. Yeah. Can, you describe, have, uh, can you describe the smoking difference between one of your pipes and a, and a briar? You know, I just had, because um, I've got Briar, I've got Al, Tom Altang's pipe, and I've got Julius Vez, and I've got Giovanni's pipe, and I'm going to say they smoke just as good. Now, that's, I'm being biased, of course, but I've had a call, actually a friend of mine just ordered for his friend five of my pipes. He booked three, and he had told me that his, that my pipes smoke better than some of the more expensive ones that he's had, and which is a compliment. I'm honored to hear that. And he's now selling some of his more expensive pipes. And he ordered another two, which is incredible. And I had said to him, I said, you know, I don't make pipes in the winter because they're out in the shed. It's a little too cold. <laughs> I'll pay double. Okay. <laughs> I put the heat on. I'm out there working. It's cold. But I'll pay double. I said, that's fine. That's great. Thank you. I, I mean, that's an honor to hear that. It, and I've heard others say the same. And I'm sure you might get the odd one that hasn't been happy. I've had, I think I've had, I uh, would have had two come back. One was a freehand, and, and for whatever reason, it cracked. And a freehand is a thicker cob. So I repaired it, cleaned it, and it's most, it's most like a charm. It's, um, it's an actual, uh, uh, we call a corn dog, a bulldog. And I think the other one, it just cracked. And like the cob right through to the finish so that's no problem it, it happens it happens and i replace it and then you also do some really fun stuff like the the uh the ultimate corn cob that i have is a volcano and it looks like lava's falling out of it as you're yeah. smoking it and i'm not is that <laughs> i don't even know what that material is that's coming out of it that looks like it's oozing but it's beautiful yeah. I, I did like that. I remember that one now. That's the uh, the, fin the finish. Um, 
than I used on the other cobs. It was just a lot more sanding and, and playing with the uh, the finishes, trying to, of course, it's so sticky at the same time, and trying to mold it to look like it's lava. I thought that was a cool look. And you have the only one, man. The only one out there. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, I... Yeah. I'll have a picture of it posted with the uh, with this show so that people can see what it looks like, and you may get a few more orders for it because it's absolutely beautiful. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, then the other thing that I like you do is you do the adjusta cobs. Uh, go ahead and explain oh, that and geez. describe it because that's, that's fun too. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a while back. Is that, uh, if I remember correctly, it's uh, two cobs in one, right? It's, it's uh, the... Um, the bamboo was cut in half, and I set it up so that you could have a short, uh, short shank and a long shank. Yep. And uh, yeah, there was a fellow who wanted that, and his name escapes me now. And um, I thought I'd give it a try. It wasn't. Uh, I was a little bit new at that time, working on that style, but there hasn't really been any orders for that type of uh, pipe. Most people want the, the. Uh, extended poker or extended shank for a poker you get the occasional uh, uh, corn corn dog or bulldog shape but that's a little bit more money and a lot more work uh, for those of you listening you can see pictures of all these pipes at r santia s-a-n-t-i-a pipes.com they're a lot of fun to look at is is there something that you're working on now that you haven't yet perfected? You know, I, good, good question. There is something right now. I saw a pic from, um, I think it was posted on Facebook from Missouri Mershaw, and it, it looks like a Cavalier. And I've made one uh, a couple of years back, but it's an oldie. And I think I want to do something like that with the option of removing the bowl. Um, I, I just finished working on, um, uh, what is it called? Not the Falcon, but the, um, uh, that escapes me now. Uh, the metal pipes, what are you? Falcon or Kirsten? That's it, Kirsten, there we go. And see what happens when your box, you start to lose your memory. <laughs> <laughs> or or when, you, when you start to approach the uh, Middle Ages. <laughs> that, that's good, I'll take that one instead. Um, so I actually just made probably, uh, I've had a couple orders. I'm going to say close to 10 so far. And I think I've got that down pretty good. But if I can incorporate that style or, you know, with the briar bottom onto um, a cavalier shape, I think that that's my next goal. I want to try something like that. <laughs> That'd be fun. And then you you deal with all kinds of other woods that you attach onto the shank and you do... Are those ebonite and vulcanite mouthpieces that you use on some? Yep. Yeah, they are. They're pre-molded, uh, and uh, the other woods, I'll use boxwood or, or whatever you want, zebra wood, briar. I like to use uh, Tom's wood, which, of course, is very nice stuff, beautiful grain. Um, but the, the um, what I do with the bits, it takes me close to two to three hours. I shouldn't say bits, the stems. It takes me close to two to three hours to... I'll work with the stem and bar guys go, why are you spending so much time on them? But I'll sand up to 600 grit. I'll work the inside of the stem to a 3.2 millimeter and then work with the, the lip itself. Use um, 
small drill bit just to clean it up a bit so you get a draw. And then the shank itself, I did experiment in the beginning with uh, 3.2 millimeter, and I found that with the heat and the bamboo, it, it seemed to close, and I wasn't getting a good draw. So I've now got it to a 4.2 millimeter, and the draw is amazing. It, you can leave that pipe sit for a minute, two minutes, three minutes, and come back. It's like, oh, it's still lit. That's what I want to see. <laughs> I love it. And those of us that clench, we uh, truly appreciate the extra stem work. Yeah, you got to have it, man. It's got to feel good in your mouth. And uh, some of my pipes are a little bit heavier than others, but with that finish, it, it's set up so that you're not putting that strain on your teeth, your jaw. And a lot of guys will say, man, it's, it looks so much of a, so, such a big pipe, but the bamboo's light, the finish is light, the cob's light. It's a win-win. What's the longest pipe you've done? Oh. You know what? There is one. Um, it's the... Uh, I sold to a fellow in Italy. Um, it's a reed stem. I, You know what? I have it posted on my site, but I'm going to guess it's close to uh, almost two or three feet. Like, and I could be off. Wow. The inches there, but it, it's it's quite long. But again, it's reed, so it's a lot lighter. It's, it's, uh, it's got like an S-shaped band to it. Now, if I had to say uh, bamboo, straight poker style, I believe I have a 13-inch. And uh, I've got a couple here, too, that I, I I like to... I don't want to sell them, but at the same time, you know, everything's for sale. I keep everything I make. And I find that it's a nice, cool smoke, that tobacco reaching the end there. So it, it's... Oh, 13 inches. Yeah, that should be a nice, long, nice, long, cool smoke at 13 inches. Yeah. <laughs> may yeah. need may need somebody to help you light it. <laughs> it's true, man. you got to reach all the way up there. It's like I've got a good lighter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can get one, of those, uh, get one of those barbecue grill extension lighters. It works, man. I've done it a couple times. Much as I don't want to, especially with the... Uh, Two or three footer, I need something like that. It just can't reach. Yeah. All right, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, and I hope I, I hope I know the answer to one of the questions at the the last one. So we'll, we'll see if I'll prompt you if you don't give me the right answer. Are you ready? Okay, sounds good. What is your favorite pipe? Favorite pipe? I'm gonna have to say the, the one that my son made for me. Corn cob pipe. And what's your favorite tobacco? Right now, it's the Scudo. Ooh. Uh, what's your favorite drink? Uh, Caesar. What's a Caesar? Caesar would be vodka with, or you call it Bloody Mary. Okay, there we go. With uh, apple or not apple, tomato juice and pepper and salad. It looks like a salad once it's done. So you get a drink and a salad. Oh, well, that, that's perfectly healthy then. There you go. <laughs> uh, when it's when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? All three are good, but I'm going to have to go with the book. And last question. Any particularly favorite pipe smoking memory, and I hope you'll give the one that you told me about previously that had to do with you boxing. <laughs> that's the one. Walking in with my, uh, just before fight, walking in with my son's pipe lit in the ring, 
ready to fight. The looks on the judges, referees, the audience's faces was priceless. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing. And I won the fight. <laughs> and after yeah. you won the fight, did you pick up the pipe, light it, and walk out? You know what? I, uh, I did light it because they took a photo and blew up this uh, six-foot photo of me with the championship belt on the shoulder and the pipe lit in my mouth. Classic, man. It looks so cool. <laughs> yeah. And that is the picture that we've... Uh, it's a photograph of the photograph of the picture that is up on the Pipes Magazine radio show page. So if you go to the... Go to the website. You can see uh, a, a pipe-smoking boxing champion. Right on. All right. What is the best way for people to get a hold of you just in case they uh, in case they want to order a pipe? Sure. They could order a pipe through uh, com. Facebook is good, too. Ricardo Santia. And check out the website while you're there. Ricardo, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, hopefully it's not a very long winter for you guys way up there. Uh, thanks, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. We'll be back in just a minute. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country, it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, we've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco, blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. Stop by CornellAndDeal.com. Welcome back. Hey, never thought, never thought I would have somebody who is a, uh, who is a boxer and a pipe smoker and a pipe maker on the show uh, Ricardo, I hope you enjoyed being on the show because I'd really hate to meet you in person because if you're still sparring and fighting at 50 years old, you could easily, um, easily kick my butt. However, I can outdrink you. I can outdrink you. So I got that. All right. So for music, I thought we'd go back. If you remember all the way back to the beginning of the show, we had Keith Moore on. Uh, Keith Moore is a musician and Keith used to work at the Uptown Smoke Shop in Nashville and I think Keith is responsible for making a lot of the uh, Danish pipe makers' household names. He was the first one that really promoted them on the internet and introduced me to a lot of them. Anyway, uh, Keith's got a couple albums out that are available on iTunes, and you can listen to him on Spotify. 
the song I picked out for tonight is called Promised Land. So here's Keith Moore.
If you know of any uh, pipe smoking musicians out there and we haven't played their music on the show, hey, let me know. Send me an email, brian at pipesmagazine.com or post it on the comments page for the Pipes Magazine radio show and we'll get them on the show for you. Sweet, merciful crap! In the mailbag, getting caught up from a couple weeks ago, uh, Dan writes, uh, Great show, Brian Neal was a great guest. And Shocker, a pipe smoker who is a collector who enjoys Sherlock Holmes. We should start a club. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a big club. Um, and then he says, thanks for another great hour and happy new year, Dan. Dan, thank you very much. Yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of us out there that are collectors of other things and if you've got an interesting collection and want to let me know about it hey send me an email too uh john seiler writes in regards to last week's show uh glad you had a nice christmas i've been working on a couple of new emperor leopoldo stories over the holidays which should be posted on pipedia.org shortly we should all support pipedia as best we can Yes, we should. And, uh, John, with you being retired now, there's no excuse for waiting till the holidays to work on new stories. Uh, then he goes on to write, uh, BBB made some very nice pipes. They are all well worth looking at on the estate market. Their virgin pipes are very nice. Interesting information on the first Lovat pipes. Uh, Tim Thorpe is a new pipe maker to me. I believe I've seen him at some of the shows this year. Anyone that likes McClellan 5100 is a good pipe smoker after my taste. He sounds like a pipe maker with a bright future. The music selection Waves was quite good. I believe you said the composer was Ernest Block. You are correct. And uh, John says, I've recently been smoking some handmade pipes from carvers who are no longer with us or have ceased making pipes. Specifically, these include Clarence Mickles, Steve Weiner, and Sam Learned. I find that many of the newer people to pipes do not know these individuals. You can get some great, no, fantastic pipes made by these people at pipe shows at very reasonable prices. Maybe you could have someone on the show that can talk about these and other pipe carvers from the past. That's a good idea. Um, Now we just have to find somebody as old as John and his friend Bill Kotek. There we go. Anyway, uh, John says, Rant, maybe I'm not with it, but I think that Starbucks is as, po- is as popular as it once was. If, you're upset, if you upset your customer base, you will lose. Look at the new version 2 Keurig systems that will not recognize the original K-Cups. Good show. Can't wait until next week. Uh, that's why I've always said the K-Cup thing. That's kind of like the iPod or the Apple product of the uh, of the the coffee world you either get into it or you don't you either follow what they do or you just don't get it at all uh going on to casey ghost casey ghost writes the pipe parts segment was just a bomb really good stuff wish our hobby could afford to document its early years and the products and companies of those times I don't think your discussion on the St. Louis Pipe Show was quite right. The gentleman that has ran it all these years does not want to be involved in running a non-smoking show, but is willing to assist anyone who would like to take over the reins. We'll find out more for you. Uh, I think there are people in St. Louis who would like to do that. Now is their chance to rise up and shine, and you can put a very nice show that doesn't permit pipe smoking in the exhibit area. Uh, Chicago, Kansas City, and Columbus are doing just fine, thank you. 
Tim Thorpe was an enjoyable guest. Really liked the cooking discussions. I love to cook myself, so could relate a little bit. The music selection was really nice. A little culture is good for the soul, if you have one. <laughs> I'm not sure I do. Uh, and then Dan writes, uh, Starbucks is just no big deal. They have so many outlets that it is hard to be out of sight of one. And their product is rather mediocre. Go to Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, the coffee is just as good, the pastry is better, and the cost is lower. I'm not a fan of Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Uh, just not a fan of it. It just doesn't taste good to me. I can tell you, though, the two closest to each other Starbucks locations in the world are both here at the Charlotte Douglas International Airport. There is one on the ticketing side outside of security, and then right through the security checkpoint, there is another one inside. And those are the two closest Starbucks locations to each other in the world. So yes, you can stand there and see two locations in the same spot. Um, also, a little note of interest on PipesMagazine.com. I was kind of poking around in the forums and watching this one thing that popped up, and it was, would microwave sanitize a pipe without harm? Anyway, the uh, the original poster of it, MSO489, says, don't try this at home. Would a microwave oven sanitize a pipe by heating and killing bacteria and viruses without damaging the briar or stem material? Obviously, all metal such as bands would have to be removed. I recommend no one try this, but perhaps someone has knowledge on the subject of microwave oven use for sterilizing other things. Um, microwaves do not sterilize. They activate the molecules inside of stuff. All they will do is make stuff explode. If you want to sterilize stuff, you need the actual external heat that works on the exterior of the item, not the interior of the item. That's why all medical stuff is sterilized in an autoclave, because it heats things up. That's why if you really want to sterilize your stems, put them in boiling water. If you really want to get them done really well, send them off to a really good pipe repair guy. Have him do it. Uh, if you want to clean the inside of the pipe, nothing works better than my old buddy Everclear and just pipe brushes and, uh, and bristle cleaners and just going at it and going at it. But there's really no need to sterilize the actual wood part of the pipe because it's never really going in your mouth anyway. Anyway, I thought that was fun. And while you're on PipesMagazine.com, there's been a couple of new articles posted recently. Uh, one in particular is a pipe-smoking celebrity interview with Sergeant Terry Shepard. So go to PipesMagazine.com and check that out. There's always new articles being posted all throughout the week. All right, in just a few minutes, hey, rant time. This is Internet Radio. Cup of Joe's, a name you know, a name that you trust for all your tobacco needs. Exclusive pipes, pipe tobacco, accessories, pipe stands, and so much more. Cup of Joe's is the one place you can go and take care of every single one of your tobacco purchases. Fast shipping, friendly, professional service. One site, cupofjoes.com. And coming soon, their new line of smoking man pipes, cupofjoes.com. Quality products and extraordinary prices. 
Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achille Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs, comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. Cowboy. I have almost 100% stopped watching live broadcast TV or current programming, whatever it is. If I want to watch it, you know what I'll do is I'll DVR a whole bunch of stuff, and then I'll go and sit down and binge it or watch it later at night, whatever it is. I don't watch it, so I skim through all the commercials. Well, recently, the last week or so, I wasn't, yeah, and then we had the flu bug bouncing around here for a little bit, and I wasn't feeling so great, so I spent some time in front of the TV getting caught up on an unnamed series that doesn't matter, but I was enjoying watching it, and I was watching stuff over the last three months, and what I thought was fun, actually, was to go back and watch, because in November, we had an election here in the United States, and the episodes from October and November had some uh, had some political ads. And then the minute the election was over, here come all the Christmas holiday ads with all the uh, with all the, the deck the halls and the perfumes and the fragrances and then the booze. And then this weekend, yeah, we were watching the Rose Parade and a couple other things like that and on New Year's Day watching some football games and watching actual live events and Guess what? The ads have all changed. It's all now seasonal ads for New Year's, which means weight loss, quit smoking, and uh, weight loss, quit smoking, and oh yeah, it's time to pay your taxes. So you don't need a Google Calendar. All you need to do is actually watch commercials, and they will tell you exactly what is coming up this time of the year. Now, now what I'd like to figure out how to do is. Uh, is to DVR live sporting events and not see any of the results of what's going on and then go back and watch it without all the commercials in there. But uh, hey, that's not going to happen anytime soon. So anyway, there you go. A little rant on uh, seasonal commercial issues for you. And of course, one of the benefits of this show is if you don't catch the live ones on Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time, hey, the recorded podcast is there for you anytime you want to do it, anytime you want to get caught up. Uh, please leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or Stitcher or any place you can. 
post all your comments on pipesmagazine.com. I do check them out. Email me, brian, at pipesmagazine.com if you have any questions or comments. So thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to I'm not back in five minutes. Just wait longer.